faithful friend to us. You never fail. We look back over past times and never once do we find that you've been unfaithful. Never once have you faltered. Lord Jesus, we thank you that just as your word says, whilst we are faithless on times, you always remain faithful. And we want to thank you today for that, that you are the same yesterday, today, yes, and forever. We live in an ever-changing world, but you are the same. You change not. And we thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to continue on in our series of messages about hope. And um, specifically this morning we're going to look at three wonderful benefits that we experience in our everyday lives when we place our hope in God and what he has said. Hope is not wishful thinking, as we've said. Hope is not a crossing of the fingers behind your back, hoping for a better tomorrow than today. No, our hope in God is a confident, clear, strong, healthy expectation that God is going to do something good wrapping up everything about our lives and as we move towards this endless eternal hope in him in Jesus Christ our strength and 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 um, and well-being in life is secure in him we're going to look this morning at three very simple points but three very important points in this whole area of hope as we place it in God. Firstly, we're going to see how hope in God sustains our happiness. Do you know God wants you to be happy? He really does. And sometimes that's one of the biggest revelations that we can receive. But God didn't save you so that you could stay depressed. God didn't save you or me so that we could be sullen and downcast. We'll see it from his word. God wants you and I to be the happiest people in this world. And hope in him sustains our happiness. We're going we're to see that this morning. And then next, we're going to look at how hope in God supplies our health. God wants his people healthy. And I'm not just talking about physical health. Of course he wants to and he will heal our bodies. And we must believe him for that. But he wants us internally to be healthy and well. And then finally, once we've covered those two points, we're going to look at how hope in God secures our well-being. Okay, so firstly, hope in God sustains our happiness. We're going to see that. Next, we're going to look at how hope in God supplies our health. And then finally, thirdly, we're going to see how hope in God secures our well-being. Three very simple points. 
Three very simple principles that we're going to draw from the scriptures, but three very important, significant things that give you and I, as God's people, God's children, a huge advantage in life. In amidst hopeless times, in amidst news that is all over the place and inconsistent, we have an anchor for our souls in Jesus Christ. We have a security in him, an endless hope. We really do. Let's look at this first point. Hope in God sustains our happiness. Every single one of us in this room and beyond it want happiness. All of us are chasing happiness in some shape or form. But I don't know about you, if you look back on your past, you'll see that happiness can be so fleeting. Happiness can be so inconsistent in our lives. It's like chasing the wind and trying to catch it and grab hold of it. And once you think you've got it, suddenly it's gone. I said earlier in the, in the last service that happiness is a little bit like British weather. Very inconsistent. The weatherman comes on, you get your hopes up. Tomorrow's going to be bright blue skies, sunshine everywhere, and you're going to be baking in the sun. And then suddenly tomorrow comes, and the weather isn't what the weatherman said, and your hopes are dashed. Happiness can be like that. You can be happy one moment because your dreams are being fulfilled, and then suddenly around the corner something happens, and that happiness that you had that seemed so secure, it's become so frail, and it's breaking apart before your eyes. Happiness is fleeting, and yet we all want it, we're all chasing it, and we, we all want to hold on to it for as long as we can. But what if I said to you, what if I said to you that your happiness in life can be sustained? Your happiness in life doesn't have to be inconsistent, but can be consistent. What if your happiness wasn't just down to happenings and the inconsistencies of the ups and downs of life? What if there was a consistent way for your happiness to be sustained. Hoping God sustains happiness. It really does. Hope in his word, in his promises, in what he has declared, in what he has spoken, has a huge effect on your emotions, on your feelings. It really does. Hopelessness very often causes us to despair, causes us to be despondent, to be depressed and oppressed. But hoping God supplies us with a happy heart. And we'll see this. We'll look at it as we did last week. God wants his people to be happy. Seeing this, the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament said to the people of God who were languishing in sorrow, who were depressed and downcast, he spoke to them and he said, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of God has settled on you. He didn't say, arise into depression, stand up in your sadness and your despair. No, he said, the glory of God as it, as it descends on you, his people, is going to cause you to arise and you're going to shine and you're going to exude this wonderful joy, this wonderful life. 
Isaiah 60 tells us of that wonderful vision that Isaiah had of God's people. What is that? That's a sustaining of hope, a sustaining of happiness, so that they could be the very message of God to a world that was downcast, the very message of God to the surrounding nations around them that were in a hopeless state and a hopeless way. They could be the message, the clear message that there is a living God in Israel that gives you hope, that sustains your life, that sustains your happiness and makes you everything that he's created you to be. That's what God called the people of God, Israel, to be an advert for his glory to all of the surrounding nations that were sitting in darkness, that there was a living God that cared for them, that wanted them to experience everything that he'd created them for. Happiness can be sustained when our hope is in God. You try to sustain happiness outside of God. Try it. You won't last a week, neither will I. Try and sustain your happiness by purchasing material things. Nothing wrong with material things. I love them, especially bikes. But you know what? It can't, it'll, it'll give me a temporary happiness. I'm wearing a new shirt today. I don't know if anybody noticed. Nobody said anything. I'm a bit discouraged. Faye is wearing new Dr. Martin boots and a lovely dress. It's like we've just walked out of the catalog. I mean, look at us. We don't have catalogs anymore, but my nan used to have a catalog, Grattans. I think it was called Grattans, and you paid every week. I want that in the catalog, nan. And she'd get it. Me and Faye, it's like, it's like we're models. I, I feel like one anyway, with this new shirt on and new jeans. Daniel, my son, helped me, helped me buy them yesterday from H&M. H&M. But you know, acquiring material things, as good as they are, will not sustain your happiness. Having a new bike, I dream about bikes. All different kinds of bikes. Folding bikes, electric bikes, downhill bikes, uphill bikes. I mean, the list is endless. Italian works of art. Bikes. But you know, even acquiring material things won't sustain your happiness. Your hope has to be in God and his word and what he said if you want your happiness to be sustained. This is why Paul wrote his letter to the church at Rome. We read it, Romans chapter 15, and we'll read it in a moment. But the church at Rome were in a terrible place not because of anything they'd done. They were being persecuted. They were being martyred in their hundreds, if not their thousands. You talk about facing hopelessness. Imagine having your children dragged off. Imagine, and, and this, is, this is history. Families divided, persecuted, deny Christ or you die. And they held faithfully to the gospel and to Jesus. And as a result, children were killed. Families, husbands and wives separated and murdered, crucified, fed to the lions and, and, and burned alive as entertainment to the emperor. 
Talk about facing hopelessness. Talk about facing a crisis. Paul the Apostle writes a brilliant epistle. Probably one of the greatest letters in the New Testament. The book or the letter to the Romans. And it's his letter of appeal. His letter of love. To show them what Christ had achieved for them. And to, to, to stir up their convictions. Not to relent in their pursuit of Jesus even amidst persecution and difficulty and in Romans chapter 15 he prays this huge prayer of expectation for them he wasn't praying for help this wasn't some kind of cruel joke that Paul was praying for the people he, was, he wasn't praying for help. He wasn't asking God to get them out of the crisis. He wasn't cursing Nero, the very one that had brought this wave of death over the city. He wasn't doing any of that. He wasn't praying for help to get them out of the crisis or telling them to evacuate the city as fast as they could. He was praying for hope. Hope. For them to anchor their soul again in God, the source of all hope. Let me read it to you. Romans 15, we read it last week, but it's important to remind ourselves of it. Romans 15, such an important prayer. Verse 13, I pray that God, he's calling God in. He's not calling any man in. He's not calling in another apostle. Or, or a teacher or a preacher. He's calling God into the situation. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy. My God, when God fills anything, there's always going to be excess. There's always going to be an overflow. There's always going to be more than enough. And Paul sees that, understands that, and prays that will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Look what you get when you trust God. Look what you get when you put simple faith in God. You get completely filled with joy and an overflow of peace as you trust him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you see how Paul links joy, peace, and confidence to God, the source of all hope? When you get your source right, it's amazing what happens in your life. When God's the source of your hope, it's amazing the outcomes. It's amazing the fruitfulness. It's amazing what happens to your emotions and to my emotions. Why? Because God sustains our happiness through our hope in him happiness is a bible word it really is you think well i haven't seen it in the bible no it's there it's hidden away in the scriptures in the words that the that the writers use the word blessed is the word happy happy joyful and this is the hope that we have in God. Happiness is a Bible word. In lockdown, one day I was walking to pick one of the kids up from school and um, 
Oh no, he couldn't have been walking to pick the kids up from school because they were in lockdown as well. I was walking down the street. I had to change that. Walking down the street and I saw a gentleman, an elderly gentleman, trying to cut down his bamboo bushes. And these things are just huge and they've grown everywhere. The whole garden is taken over by them. This gentleman was struggling. I could see that, obviously being an elderly man, struggling with this, this task of trying to cut into these bamboo bushes. So I just started speaking to him and um, I just asked him if I could help him, if he needed any help. And he said, oh, do you know what? It would really help me if you would, you know, help me in this. As you can see, I'm not getting very far. I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. Tomorrow, I'll bring down my petrol strimmer. Oh, yes, petrol strimmer. On my, I think it was my 49th birthday, Faye asked me what I wanted for my birthday. Well, I wanted what every man wants, a petrol strimmer. A petrol, Faye, a petrol strimmer. That's what I need, a good old-fashioned petrol strimmer. She said, what do you need a petrol strimmer for? We haven't got a garden, and we really haven't. Well, up top, and I've got to climb a ladder to get up to it, two ladders in fact, there's a bit of land that I've got to cut back, it's got weeds, so I thought, do you know what, if I get a petrol strimmer, I'll be able to start cutting the weeds back and strimming it, so I, I said to uh, this, this gentleman who's called Ray actually, who's become quite a friend, He's, I, I said, let me bring the petrol strimmer down, oh, you got a petrol, yeah, got a petrol strimmer, he said, but the bamboo, he said, you're not going to be able to strim it. It's too strong. I said, oh, no, Ray, this isn't just any petrol strimmer. I said, it comes with attachments. I, he said, well, what attachments have you got? I said, well, I can take the, strimming, the strimmer off and I can attach a circular saw blade. I said, it's amazing. I said, it's amazing to see a circular saw blade going at 45,000 revolutions per minute. I tell you what, I said, It'll make it easy. I said, I'll just bring it down, start it up, and start cutting through the bamboos. He said, right, tomorrow morning, we'll do it. So down I went, started up cutting the bamboos. Well, it was hard work, let me tell you. We didn't cut, we didn't even finish it. But we cut a lot, right? At the end of that, he said to me, he said, Dave, would you like a bamboo plant? I said, Ray, I would love... A bamboo plant so we dug one up and it was it's about three and a half meters high I took it home all excited to show Faye Faye had always wanted a bamboo plant trouble is now we got no garden to plant it right but I thought no I've got a bamboo plant now so home I went I put it straight in a bucket of water and I was excited to tell Faye I've got a bamboo plant from my new friend Ray who I went who I went cutting his garden with my petrol strimmer, and we had a great time. So anyway, that was that. A couple of days later, the leaves on the bamboo, bamboo plant, bamboo plant, started to go brown, started to die. You could see that the, 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 the whole plant started to wilt. It was losing its strength and its life. It was perishing. And it was, a, it, I couldn't understand. Now, if you know anything about us, right? We're not very good with plants, unfortunately. I didn't know what I'd done. So I asked Faye. 
I said, Faye, I said, I can't understand. Why is this plant wilting and dying? Why is the, the leaves going brown? I don't know. What, what's going on with it? She looked at the bucket of water that I placed it in. And she said, Dave, that water has been in that bucket probably for about six to eight months. It's stagnant. It's dead water. There's no life in it. You see, I had taken that bamboo plant from its life source, from a healthy life source that was sustaining it, that was causing it to grow, to be strong, and, and to be green. But I'd taken it and I placed it in a source that was dead, that had no life in it, that was stagnant and within days it was wilting, within days it was dying and you could see it visibly perishing. Very often in life we wonder why areas of our lives are so unfruitful. We wonder why areas of our lives are so dry why we struggle with our minds, why we battle with certain emotions, could I say to you, maybe you, like I, need to recheck the source that our roots are going down into. Is it a good source? Is it a life source? Is it a, a, a healthy source that's going to cause you to grow and to thrive in your mind and in your emotions? Or is it old, stagnant water that will make you unfruitful and cause your life, instead of it thriving and flourishing, to wilt and perish? God wants to be, like Paul said, the source of your hope. When God is the source of your hope and your roots go down into that rich, eternal reservoir of who he is, his life, your life begins to flourish. Your life is fruitful. Your life is everything that God intends it to be. It will be a picture of happiness sustained sustained happiness not inconsistent happiness but sustained happiness as you have your hope in God this is our portion now let me just say this make this point right here about happiness and about sustained happiness and about hope if you want to have hope if you want to be happy, one word of advice. I've learned this the hard way. Don't look back. Don't look at yesterday. Don't look at a year ago or five years ago. There's no hope back there. That's why God, through the prophet Isaiah, said this. Forget the former things. Forget them. Behold, I will do a new thing. There's nothing back there for you or I. Don't even look as far back as yesterday. Make a decision. You see, one of the ploys of the devil to break your hope, one of the ploys of the devil to disturb your happiness is to get you and I to look back. I tell you, stand on the word of God against him and say, devil, I don't have to look back because old things have passed gone 
away, behold, all things have become new in Christ Jesus. I'm looking at this new life that's unpacking, that's breaking out, that's breaking forth, that I have my hope in. As every moment passes, as every day comes, I'm looking and seeing a new me created in Christ Jesus. There's nothing back there for you or I. It's finished. It's gone. It's over. If you are going to look back, do it in remembrance of me, Jesus said. And when you do it in remembrance of him, you're looking at the finished work of who you are in Christ Jesus. Paul said this when he refused to look back on an unproductive past. He said in Philippians chapter 3 verse uh, 13 to 14, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. See how important it is? This one thing I make sure is in place in my life. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That is a man that is bursting with hope. That is a man that's alive with hope. That is a man that's chosen to close the door on his past. That word forget, when he says forgetting those things that are behind, the, the original Greek language puts it like this ceasing to be affected by you want to be happy you want your happiness to be sustained cease to be affected by your past hallelujah hallelujah this is the freedom and the blessing that we have in Christ Jesus and this is the life that it's important to live don't look back refuse to look back don't allow the enemy to take your mind or your imagination there. Cease to be affected by. It's forgotten. It's forgotten. Strain towards all of the blessings that God has ahead of you in Christ Jesus. What a hope we have. To Titus, Paul was encouraging this young pastor about the blessed hope that we have. The blessed, the blessed hope. Or the happy hope, as many theologians have called it. Happiness is in that word, blessed. You are blessed by God. You're not a result of your feelings or your emotions or your actions. God has pronounced you blessed. And you have a blessed hope yet to come, yet to arrive, that's calling and tugging on you from another world, keeping you strong in this fallen world. In this hopeless place, a blessed hope that you hold in your heart, that you see before you coming. As God brings all things together in his plan. Titus 2 verse 11 to 14 says this. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly righteously and godly in the present age looking for the blessed or happy hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave himself for us 
that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. One of the reasons, and only one because there are many, one of the reasons why Jesus died and rose from the dead is to give us this happy hope. And to sustain it by his power and by his presence and by the Holy Spirit. This is what Paul was encouraging and stirring up the church in Rome. To found themselves and root themselves in God, the source of all hope. And Paul wasn't writing some quick letter so that he could avoid being with them at the end of chapter 15. He was saying, guys, I've been hindered from getting to you, but please let me assure you, I'm on my way. Right into the furnace, right into the fire, right into the crisis. That's a man with an endless hope in his heart, burning for God. That's a man that's unmoved by circumstances, that's unaffected by the crisis. That's a man that has a, a, a sustaining power holding him that causes him to be happy and joyful amidst all of the adversities of life. And he did get there. And he was martyred for his faith and his trust in Jesus. So hope in God sustains our happiness. Get used to being happy. Let's get out of the habit of being sad. Got no reason to be sad. We're rich beyond measure. You are loaded with good things because God, by his Holy Spirit, lives in you. You don't have to have an unhappy moment ever. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, life has got to be on a perfect plane. We go through sadness. We cry tears. Our hearts can be heavy. But even in amidst the darkest moments of life, God can be there as the sustaining power sustaining your happiness and your hope in him and he can bring us all through that's the testimony of every single one of us in this place we've gone through hard times we've cried tears we've had our mind we've had our mind sometimes bombarded by the enemy not knowing what to do causing us to be confused but you've come on through You've come on through because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I'm telling you now, you're like that little duck in the bath. You can pull it under as many times as you want, but that thing is always going to rise to the surface. Not because there's some kind of hot air inside you, but because there's an eternal hope that brings you up through anything that wants to pull you down. Okay, so hope in God sustains our happiness. Secondly, now let's see how hope in God supplies our health. You know, the world in which we live is full of its fitness programs. There's so many, and they're all good. There's so many designer diets that we go on. I can remember getting a book, Me and Faye, and it's called You Are What You Eat, and we looked at it. My goodness, the woman on the, on the cover looks ill. You know, before you even get into the pages, isn't she? And you're wondering, I don't know if this is going to be good for me. Well, I, I tried it, and it lasted a few days. So we've all done it, haven't we? We've all done the designer diets, and we've all been exercising. And, and there's benefit in, in exercising, definitely. No problem. But that isn't just what the Bible talks about when it talks about health. It's not talking about 
having a fitness plan or a good regime. It's not talking about eating healthy alone. It's talking about an inner health. It's talking about the way that we think about things and who we are becoming. And hope, hope, Bible hope, plays a vital part in helping us develop the mind that God wants us to have. The thoughts that he wants us to hold in our hearts and they will have a direct effect on your emotions, on how you feel. Jeremiah, the prophet, gives us a very clear picture about the life that has hope in God and the life that has no hope. Like Paul in Ephesians 2, we saw last week how Paul uses two pictures. A life that's coming and heading towards a hopeless end. And a life in Christ that has endless hope. Jeremiah, in the same vein, uses the same method to contrast lives together. Life outside of God heading towards a hopeless end. And life in God with an endless hope. Let me read it to you. Jeremiah 17, verse 5 to verse 8 says this. This is what the Lord says. So it's very important. This is not the idea of a man. This is not a man making up things and philosophizing about life and giving us his thoughts. No, this is the Lord speaking. Our creator bringing insight and revelation about his created world and the people that live in it. He says this, this is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. Jeremiah isn't being condescending. Jeremiah isn't being condemning or critical to all of these hopeless people that he sees around him. Jeremiah is called by the commenters the weeping prophet. Why? Because he wept over the condition of the society that he was in. He saw men and women young and old, choosing to forsake God, choosing to turn away from God, choosing to trust men rather than God. And as a result, he knew the ultimate end. They would be like shrubs withering in a desert. Why? Wrong source. Wrong source. They would be like plants in a wilderness that would perish. But then listen to how he speaks about those who have their hope in God. But blessed, blessed, there's that word again, happy, happy. I tell you, you'll be happy when you read this and when you see yourself as God sees you, when you put your trust in him. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord. Not perfect, not fulfilled a list of duties and disciplines. No, just simple trust in the Lord will do it. Those who trust in the Lord... And have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with 
roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Never bothered by the heat. Never worried by long months of drought. What is he doing? He's, he's drawing comparisons from the created world to our lives. And he's saying, no matter what external circumstances your life goes through, because you trust in the Lord, because you put your hope in him, you don't have to worry, you don't have to fear. Any external force, any external predator. Why? Your hope's in God. He's going to bring you through. Your trust is in him. No, you don't have to fear. Don't have to worry. Long months of drought. It doesn't matter how long this crisis goes on. And I, please, I'm not talking flippantly when I say this. I'm not. There's people that have died and this is a serious situation that our world is in. But you know, for the believer, for the child of God, it does not matter how long this crisis goes on, this wilderness experience, our lives are in God. We will thrive. We will continue to grow. We will continue to be what God wants us to be. Why? Simple trust. Simple trust. Well, I believe we should have an all-night prayer meeting. Well, I believe we should just trust God, like the Bible says, and have hope in him. Nothing wrong with prayer. But if you think that your work, your hard work, your energy, your sweat is going to get this world out of its crisis, you've got another thing coming. Just trust God. Put your hope in him. It's a picture of life that is blessed by God, not bothered, not bothered by all of the externals. Solomon, in his writings in Proverbs, said this, Proverbs 13, verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing or a hope fulfilled is a tree of life. Just like just like Jeremiah pictures in his words to us. When your hope is deferred, when you place your, your hope in temporal things, like sometimes we do, we are prone to disappointment. And when disappointment comes, time after time after time, our heart can grow sick. But you know, when you place your hope in God, just one promise, one line, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. End of story. I tell you, you could live the rest of your life on that and be completely fulfilled. But he's given you thousands of promise, promises. Just like an empty checkbook that you've got to sign and put the need in and you get what you need when you simply withdraw. Hope in God makes us, makes us strong, healthy, and causes us to flourish. It's a tree of life when it's fulfilled, Solomon said. And then finally, today, we're going to look at how hope in God secures our well-being. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Hope in God secures our well-being. Well-being has been described 
not just as mental health, right? But it's also been described as mental wealth. How about having a bit of mental health, but not only mental health, how about having a bit of mental wealth? How about being rich and wealthy in your mind, in your identity, in who you are in Christ Jesus? How about those very promises being lifted off the page and beginning to live in your heart and beginning to express and color your thoughts and your thinking, not only about yourself, but about your family, about even beyond your family, about your neighbors and your street, your work colleagues and your world. Mentally healthy, but also mentally wealthy. I look back in my life, and I'm, true, I'm trying not to now, because I've told you not to. But sometimes I've been mentally poor, mentally sick. Tell you. Why? Because the enemy wants to hold you hostage on these things. He wants to hold you over the barrel. No, I tell you, Jesus died so that you could be mentally healthy and mentally wealthy. How do I know that? Because Paul said, we have the mind of Christ. And we've got to go after that. We've got to contend for that. God wants you mentally healthy and mentally wealthy. And this is what well-being in him is about. I said this a number of months ago, but I want to refer to it in these closing moments today because it's really important. David in Psalm 42 was really struggling. He certainly wasn't mentally healthy. He was mentally sick. He certainly wasn't mentally wealthy. His mind, his emotions were stripped and impoverished. He was bankrupt. Read it. Over 10 verses in Psalm 42, there's personal pronouns everywhere as David refers to himself so negatively through 10 verses. He's stripped of his dignity. There's no well-being. There's no wholeness in this man in Psalm 42. He's stripped of all goodness, it would seem. And he's aching before God. He felt abandoned by God. That's a hopeless place, a hopeless feeling right there. And he tells God, how long are you going to forget me? That's hopelessness. When your idea of God is that he has forgotten you, you're communicating to God that I'm no longer important. I'm no longer loved. I'm no longer needed by you. I am forgotten by you. We've all felt that. That's not mental health. That's not mental wealth. That's impoverishment. And David was there. He felt abandoned by God. He felt afflicted and oppressed by man. And he felt pressured by unrelenting trials. Awful place to be. The philosopher Epictetus insightfully said this. Listen to this. If a person gave away your body to some passerby, you would be furious. 
Yet you hand over your mind so readily to everyone who comes along. So they may abuse you, leave, leave you disturbed and troubled. Have you no shame in that? David had handed over his life to circumstance. David had handed his life over to the bombardment of thoughts that told him that God had forgotten about him. David had handed, handed his life and his expectation about life over to the manhandling of circumstance that caused him to be hopeless. But God, God helped him in his hopeless state. As God helps us in times of hopelessness. Do you know how God did it? He didn't turn up. said, David, I want to see you down the office for a counseling session. We're going to have a Bible study. And I'm going to give you the theory of how to be successful. And how to get it all right. And how to, to make good of your mind. And to sort all of these circumstances around you. No, God didn't give him a Bible study. Let me show you what God did. Psalm 42 verse 8 says this, But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Everything began to change for David. He started to move from this hopeless place where he was self-immersed in his problems and the circumstances around him as a result of God's unfailing love being poured upon him every single day. And he started to, mer to emerge out of that swamp. He started to come up out of that sump that he had sunken into. And he began to question himself, why, why, with such love around me that's unfailing, why are you downcast? Why are you depressed and disquieted within yourself, David? This is what he says, hope in God. What he was saying is, David, come on, get your source, get the roots of your life back into the source of God, who is the source of all hope. And verse 11, he finishes it with his two questions and his, and, and his determined, determined direction to follow. In relation to God, he says this, verse 11. Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you disquieted within me, hoping God? For I shall yet praise him, the help and strength of my countenance. Hope will change the way you look. Hope will change your approach to life. Hope will change your countenance before other people. It'll be strong. It'll be confident. It'll be happy. It'll be healthy. It will be whole and wealthy. Amen? Hoping God sustains our happiness. Hoping God supplies our health. Hope in God secures our wholeness. God, make no mistake about it, make no mistake about it, God wants you happy, healthy, and whole, and he's gone ahead and paid for it in full 
with the precious blood of Jesus that we have sung about. Amen. Father, I thank you for your people today. They're so, so precious to you. Lord, we were not bought with perishable things such as silver and gold. You've told us we have been bought with a price. Our life is not our own. With the precious blood of Jesus, that's what we've been bought with. You own us. And as lives that you own now, you unfold your beautiful plan. You unfold your beautiful work. And we become the very workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus. God wants you to know that your life is so important. It might seem cheap and thrown about by others. It might have come under critical comment and critical fire from careless words, but not God. Not God. You're the very handiwork of God. You're, you're so important and so loved to God that God takes it upon himself to take your life in all of his experiences and say, I'll put my hand on that and I'll work on that. I'll design that, recreate that and make it everything that I have intended it to be. Never look on your life, child of God, as some cheap bargain basement thing. You're the handiwork of God. Yes, it can be hard. Yes, things can contradict what God has, has promised us, but keep your hopes strong in him your savior and your redeemer amen amen god bless you noel's gonna come and we're gonna we're gonna sing together before we go but listen keep your hope strong don't believe all those negative news feeds right don't succumb to them when you when you want to flick channels and surf the net and find out or okay we can be informed but i tell you let's spend more time thinking about God's Word. I'm not talking about reading it from Genesis to Revelation. It might be one line. Lord, you're my shepherd. I'm never going to lack anything. I'm never going to be in want. Oh, I'm going to be happy. Shepherd of my soul. It could be, it could be anything. Just a line to revive your hope. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. 